0: Hi, I'm Justin Hayat, and this is 36. The Lamed Vav Siddiquim is a tale built on the idea that out there in the universe, somewhere in the far corners of the world, there are 36 anonymous, really good people who hide in the shadows but step forward when we need them most. In 2020, somehow, I managed to get on a plane to Israel to find out more about these secret souls and hear their stories. This is my journey to find wonder and goodness in our once magical world. Have you ever sat with someone who, let's say, survived an assassination attempt? Yeah, this was my first time too. He survived four gunshots. You wouldn't know by meeting him though. He can't sit still. We were sitting in the center for our orphans he founded. His name is Yehuda Glick. He has signature red hair. In Israel, he's called a gingy. He's tall, and really, he can't sit still, always moving. On October 29th, 2014, he gave a speech at the Menachem Begin Heritage Center in Jerusalem. After the speech, outside the venue, a man on a motorcycle approached him and shot him four times. He spent a month in the hospital, fighting for his life, then reemerged in a way as if nothing ever happened. Maybe he had a limp for a few months, but then he got on with his life. For many, this event would define them. Maybe even retire them or silence them into a more relaxed, more apolitical, more comfortable, and more peaceful life. Well, that's not Yehuda. This is my conversation with Yehuda Glick. We're sitting here now in Jerusalem with activist and former member of Knesset, Yehuda Glick.
1: Yehuda, thank you so much for coming. Shalom, Justin, and welcome to Jerusalem and welcome to my office and our office and the, welcome to the navel of the universe, the heart of the, of, of the soul of the universe.
0: Thank you for having us. Tell us about where we are currently sitting.
1: Well, first of all, we're in Jerusalem, and that's something that we don't take for granted. Many, many, many years, people of Israel have said next year in Jerusalem, and we're here. So it's a, it's a big miracle. But right now we are in a, a house which serves two purposes, which are actually, in my eyes, interwined between each other. We are in the house of the Shalom Jerusalem Foundation. Shalom Jerusalem Foundation is a foundation that I established when I finished politics two years ago, and it's called Zionism Next Generation, which means that if Zionism first generation was bringing the people of Israel back home and turning Israel into a a center for the people of Israel, now we're turning Zionism into a universal movement, which meaning the mission that the Bible gave us, that we should be a source of blessing to all the nations, and that all nations should want to stream to Jerusalem, and to unite around the one and only God. The other thing that serves here is the same. it actually comes from a sort of a totally different world, but in my eyes it's the same thing. This is the house of Amitzim. Amitsim is the acronym in Hebrew for Almanot manot yotomim which means young widows, widowers, and orphans. And what the idea is that the Bible tells us again and again, warns us, not to forget the orphan and the widow. Because the orphan and the widow are not people that are in poverty as much as they're people that person builds a house, husband and wife. If we lose one of them, the house is about to collapse. And what we do here is we try to strengthen the surviving parent so that the family continues to survive. And what we have over here in the afternoons, it's not activity for children. It's not activity for, or, for widows. It's activities for the family. The widow or the widower come with their children, and they, they have time to sit down. The kids, we have volunteers here who are uh, playing with the children, helping them with homework, and we have psychologists who are here for those who want. And we have the and the widowers sitting around talking. So that the child, on the one hand, is enjoying himself. On the other hand, every time he needs to be refueled, he goes to his mother, gets a, gets a hug, and he goes back. And that way, we strengthen the parent, and we, through strengthening the parent, we strengthen the child, because in, in my eyes, the commandment of respect your father and mother in the center of the Ten Commandments is really that, how do we relate to God? How do we recognize the one and only God? By recognizing our parents who gave us life. And the Bible reminds us again and again, don't forget to embrace, to bring happiness to the life of the orphan and the widow. And that's what we do here. On the one hand, I am in dialogue, daily, comprehensive dialogue, with people from all over the world, Jews and non-Jews, telling them about Jerusalem, not only the physical, geographical Jerusalem, but the idea of Jerusalem, the Jerusalem as a city of justice, a city of gratitude, a city of friendship, a city of love, a city of shalom, harmony, harmony between diverse societies, and at the same time, a city of God, also in the, in the, in the social idea of remembering those who are fatherless, those who are motherless, those who are the children of God himself. And that's what we're here for.
0: Wow. Wow. This will be a strange pivot, but you survived an assassination attempt.
1: Oh yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, that, that, was, thing. that was sort of like a minor uh, <laughs> event in my
0: life. I remember where I was when I I saw the news, and, and I was just it was shocking, right? Um, and it was. Kind where of, were you? Me? Um, what year was it? Two fourteen. Yeah, I was in college. I just remember... October like, 29th,
1: 2014.
0: Yeah, I remember I, w- I was sitting outside in Binghamton, New York. It was chilly. It was beautiful, though. And I, I saw a Times of Israel notification, you know, Yehuda Glick uh, assassinated. It's like, crazy. How are you doing today? And then we can talk more about that, both physically and, and emotionally with it.
1: This event had a, definitely an impact on my life. First of all, on the physical level, I'm... Um, I have this kind of different kind of disability. I look my, half of my lungs were amputated. My ribs are still, some of them are still broken. So I suffer pain. I have uh, some kind of disability in terms of climbing too many stairs or climbing uphills. I, I have to catch my breath more often. And I have pain in my ribs, in my back. But uh, those are things that you uh, get used to living. You develop a routine that teaches you how to cope with that pain. But more importantly, it showed me on the one hand, the danger of violence between people. I mean, the person who tried to assassinate me didn't try to do it because he got angry at me taking his parking spot or uh, fighting with me in, in the supermarket. He, he, he didn't agree with my freedom of speech. He didn't agree with my legal activity. So the idea of, uh, of the importance of democracy, of respecting the other, respecting the other's legitimate right not to agree with you, all of those things are are are, are a very vital issue when you talk to talk about democracy, and so the importance of, of strengthening that, and the importance of, of understanding that sometimes you speak peace, and others speak war, and uh, the need to talk up about peace, need to to, to develop. Dialogues, I think that what we've seen here in the past few years in the region, what's called the Abraham Accords, is something that fills my, my, my heart with joy to see that we're, we're, we're making progress towards others, Christians, Muslims, who in the past were our, our, our cruelest enemies, are recognizing the, the right of us to survive. And I think the importance of shalom it's so important that the city of Jerusalem has its name, inside the name, Yerushalayim, is Yerushalayim, which means the city of Shalom. And we have to make sure that it, that's what it is and that's what it remains.
0: What do you believe and and why did this person try to... Is he still alive or is he in jail? No, no, he, was, uh, no he was,
1: at the time, a few hours after he assassinated, he tried to assassinate me. The police did a lot of investigation. The... Uh, security authorities of Israel, they managed to find who he was, and they came to his house. He, the, the, the assassination attempt was at uh, 10 p.m., and around 3 a.m., they knocked on his door. He understood who they were. He went up to the roof and took out a pistol that he shot with me with, and he tried to shoot the policemen, and immediately they—well, actually, he was, he was killed. Uh, so thank God I'm alive and he's dead, but I can say that we're uh,
0: continuing and so tell me a little bit about your activism and your
1: beliefs that led to that moment. Okay, I, I, I'm, for the past 30 years, I've been ascending uh, to the Temple Mount, but majorly since uh, 2005, I've been active in trying to turn the Temple Mount, which is a sacred place for so many nationally and uh, religiously. It plays a central role in so many lives of so many people, millions mill- of people around the world. And unfortunately, some people think that if a place is holy to different religions, it's a place of friction. And I believe, based on the biblical prophecies, that the Temple Mount should be a place holy for everybody, and therefore, it should be a place of shalom. And what I believe is that we couldn't allow the Temple Mount to to remain what it was—a place of terror, a place of hate, a place of incitement, harassment—and we had to turn it into a place of love. And the way to do it is to is to is to, to encourage people to come there. People who know how to respect one another, and so what I've been involved in in the past, I'd say, two decades, is encouraging people who respect others to come to the Temple Mount and help us turn the place into a place of not only tolerance but inclusiveness, a place of respect, a place of, of a, a, a place that where you hear the, the word Temple Mount immediately, you should asso- associate it with love. Religion, God, shalom, uh, respect to others. So this is what I thought. Unfortunately, there are many people that their religion is not an inclusive religion, but an exclusive religion, meaning only my way. And If you don't do it my way, I can kill you. And we see the danger around the world for these terror organizations that are based, each one on his own religion, but his religion are exclusive religions, meaning religions that say, you have to do it my way. And God is not that way. God is one, he's inclusive. It's like a, when you go to, to hear an orchestra, to the symphony, you don't want to hear only the drum. You don't want to hear only the violin. And if the uh, master of the choir doesn't like one of the, the, the instruments, he can't run the show. So what I say is that, yes, the, the violin will never be a trumpet and the cello will never be a saxophone. And the beauty is to manage, to coordinate them, to manage to allow them, each one to hear his voice. And that's what we have in life. God is one God, but it's a big, one big puzzle. And each piece is different And only if we manage to fit each piece into each other, will we have a one God. And uh, it, it, it's a very important mission for the people of Israel. When, we come, when I speak about Zionism, I mean that Zion, which is the Temple Mount, has to be a world center of light, caring, for people that are in any kind of distress, any kind of have any kind of issue that, that we can help them out with. And so the concept of Israel being a light upon the nation is this Zionism next generation, Zionism as a universal movement. And what do you say when many
0: Jews, whether here or, or in the diaspora, say, just don't go up there, It'll, it's not worth it?
1: Uh, I say that that is a very not modern way of thinking. I mean, first of all, they have the right to think their way. But I think that the way to cope with terror is not to run away from terror. When you run away from terror, you only give terror an appetite. We don't encourage women to not walk around outside. We try to take care of the uh, rapists. So we don't say, listen, don't go because, you know, when you have a bully in the class, you don't say, okay, everybody don't go into the class. What you do is you try to take over the bully and you try to encourage different behavior. So if uh, the Temple Mount is the holiest place in the world for billions of people who believe in the Bible, Christians, Muslims, and Jews, you don't say, guys, don't come here because because the people are, are, don't like you. You say, guys, they learn, have to learn to like you. If they don't want to learn to like you, then they can't be here. And And when I talk, I talk about zero tolerance for any kind of violence at the same time. I teach people to respect others. And so you can't tell people, don't come here. I mean, the Temple Mount is the holy place for the people of Israel, and it's been that way for thousands of years. And the way to deal with violence is not run away from it. The way to deal with violence is through education. The way to deal with violence is through public relations. The way to deal with violence is through developing an understanding and an infrastructure of inclusiveness. Yeah, for sure.
0: So... Speaking of violence, unfortunately, your neighbor was killed in a terror attack. Can you just tell me a little more about who he was, what he meant to you, and and what you did with this enormous tragedy?
1: Unfortunately, uh, a few of my neighbors were killed in terror attacks. Uh, I mean, I lived in a settlement called Otany El, and uh, a few of our neighbors were killed in various different terror attacks on the roads and uh, in the house. The last one was a person by name of Mickey Mark, who was a, a very close friend of mine. He lived in Atniel, He was the head of the uh, the yeshiva in Atniel, the, the Torah college. He was on his way with his wife and two children to Jerusalem, and a car passed them and shot them. He was killed. His wife was seriously, critically injured, and his two little children were a little less severely injured. He was a very close friend and a very wonderful person. He was a man on, on the one hand who really managed several different institutions. He was a manager by, by characteristics. At the same time, he was a very modest person, a person who always was sitting and learning and always looking out to uh, support those who were in need. A person who was devoted to, uh, to study and he, he had 10 children, and each one of them came out differently, but they were all learned people and all very uh, developed, and he he was the father of these children. Unfortunately, his wife is also very, till this very day, she had a bullet that went uh, through her skull, and she's suffering till this very day with different various health issues. But uh, it was at a time, just, uh, just like a month after I had become a member of the Israeli Knesset, member of the parliament, there were rumors that, that they were actually aiming at me because he had a car that looked very much like mine and he had a beard that looked a little bit like mine. I don't know if that's true or not true, but I do know that at the same time, the, the same day, the, the terrorist organization put out a movie showing how they're killing me. So uh, we live in, a, in, a, in an environment that is not always very friendly, but we can't give up because we, eventually, light is much stronger than darkness and love is much more powerful than hate. And the good has to win. And the good has to uh, take over.
0: A question I wanted to ask you, it's twofold, you know, going back to the assassination attempt, you were, the attempted assassination took place right outside a very special place, right outside the Benachembegin Heritage Center, which is probably the greatest museum on the planet for nerds like me. In reflecting on this really uh, tragic but life-changing moment, did you think about the lessons of Menachem Begin kind of like in reflecting upon the long term? Or you were kind of just like, dude, then, I was... No, I,
1: I didn't really think of it, Menachem, oh, but, no? <laughs> but now that you raise it up, I can bring, I can talk a little bit yeah. about it because Menachem Begin was, was known for being, on the one hand, a very ideological person. He was straight with his ideology. But at the same time, he was a zealot when it came to respecting others. He was going out of his way to prevent any kind of civil war or civil lack of tolerance between the people. And uh, he was very much known for that. We are here to build a society and not to, uh, even though some of the, the, the arguments were very, very tough and, and and deep that were touched the most delicate issues of life. And in spite of that, he was always very, very careful about saying that the arguments have to be on the verbal level, and we have to be very careful to respect the democratic liberal uh, values. I think that uh, he inspires uh, many of us here in Israel, his striving for peace and his striving for caring for others. I can say it once again here when we work here, caring for the orphan and the widows, Menachem Begin and his uh, mentor, Zev Jabotinsky, who were always very, very concentrating on. Uh, on the idea of the needs, the basic needs of everybody, and we're supposed to deal, make sure every single sort of person has a place to live, has food, has teaching, and it, these are all all basic needs of the soul. The person has to know that he has a place to, to go to sleep. He has to know that he has an education. He has to know that he has what to eat, and all of these things that uh, guide us when we when we hear see these families that are in the fragile situation, and we give them strength. And I'm very happy to be part of this project, which is really part of my belief of what Jerusalem should be. So when I say Shalom Jerusalem Foundation and Amit Sim are working together, almost as one project, even though they deal with totally different issues, they're the same thing. Because when we talk about being a light upon the nations, it means building a society which is excellent in morality, in ethics, in caring for others, in, in upgrading the others and I think that that is the most important thing that we can do, and and that's the illuminating the world. Yeah,
0: and it's it's both uh, an idea for you, but also a practice and personal, professional. I mean, you're very modest, so you've you've missed out a part of the story is You've also adopted, I believe, six children. Correct?
1: Uh, yeah, we uh, we have uh, actually my story of life is when I first got married, my f- my wife was a widow, her her husband had passed away. And she had two children and I was a bachelor and we had two of her kids. Then we had four kids together. Then we, by ourselves, we adopted two little girls. And then when my neighbor uh, was killed in a terror attack, it's a different neighbor. These are two parents that were killed in a terror attack. And they had six kids. We got involved in raising uh, their kids. After my terror attack, which I survived, unfortunately my wife became very, very ill uh, and she passed away. And uh, a little over a year later, I remarried. And my present wife has her four kids. And she's also, she was a widow at the age of 29. And she was the one, actually Hadass, she's the one established Amitsim. She was a widow at the age of 29. She, her husband passed away from a heart attack. And she had four kids, ages seven to seven months. And uh, my wonderful wife Hadas raised them up together, alone, raised them alone. And 15 years later, when she finished raising the children and when they were all on their own, she decided now is the time to help others who are coping with the same challenges. And today, Hadassah and myself, we are one, both in Shalom Jerusalem Foundation and in Amitzim. And as a matter of fact, even the Shalom Jerusalem, Amitzim is an Israeli organization, but the Shalom Jerusalem Foundation is like a foundation so we can support others, so people who Contribute to to Amitzim from out of Israel do it through the Shalom Jerusalem Foundation. So actually the Shalom Jerusalem Foundation became the uh, fundraising organization also. I don't decide what we do in teaching Torah teaching Bible for the nations, and, and teaching Jerusalem for the nations. We're also part of a major part of our activity is, is, is the fundraising for the orphans and the widows. So people who go into our website at ShalomJerusalem.org actually their contributions 50% of it goes to the activity of the orphans and the widows. Wow. And people can specifically say we want all of our, 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 our contribution to go to the orphans and the and it all goes to the orphans and the widows, because that's, we're here to serve God. We're here to serve the people, and that's what we're involved in. We're involved in bringing light and love to the orphans and the widows and to the world through Jerusalem, and all of it goes through the Shalom Jerusalem Foundation, through ShalomJerusalem.org, and uh, through Amitzim. That's what we're doing.
0: You have a long time to 120, so what's on the horizon for you? Oh, oh, oh.
1: first of all, we're not, no less, <laughs> we're not going for less than 135, <laughs> and uh, I think that this revolution that we're doing here in terms of referring to orphans and widows, not as, as separate, but as a family, is part of the redemption process, and turning the Temple Mount into a place of respect to one another is part of the redemption process, and reaching out to the Jewish world and the non-Jewish world all around the world and telling them, guys, Israel is here, something that you can identify with is part of what we're doing. And it's long-term. It's a long-term run. And uh, we're here for it as long as he he wants us here. I mean, you can't argue with him. Okay. We're we're in his hands. Yeah, I have two more questions and then I'll let you run
0: and so you can continue your amazing work. One is like when you think of goodness in the world – and in this beautiful city, and in this beautiful country. What do you think of?
1: First of all, there's there so much good. As a matter of fact, uh, sometimes we turn on the news and we forget how much good there is.
0: Yeah, is. I'm a pessimist, and, so you're preaching and, to the prior. I,
1: I, Well, You're I the wrong way. Wrong, I, I buy my glasses at the optometrist. If I would buy my glasses at the pessimist, I would have been pessimistic, but I buy, I'm optimistic. I see so much good. I see so many people who are out there caring for others, All oh, whether it's uh, battered women or it's people who are disabled or it's people in poverty or it's old age people or it's everything. I see there are so many good people out there and good is, 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 is being inclusive for the other. Good is putting your personal ego aside and, and understanding that we're put in the world to upgrade this world. God said he looked at the, at, at the light it was good. It was the first thing God said he looked at it. The light was good. And then he looked at all different uh, components of the world. And then finally, when he looked at human, he said it's very good. Very good means we have the ability to take all the good here and make it into very good. We also have the potential of ruining. And uh, But our mission, our assignment in this world is to upgrade this world and to make it a better place to live for humanity, for environment issues, for society. We have to make this place a healthy environment. We have to care about ecological issues, we have to care about social issues, and we have to make sure we care about making this world into a better place to live in.
0: Amen, um, and the last question is, You know, what's one line from like the Talmud or the Torah or from life or a song that in the, reflecting on your pretty heroic and triumphant journey, keeps you going, when you wake up in the morning, you say it, you think it, you feel it throughout the day that keeps you going? That you should
1: know and you should bring, return it to your heart. You should know today. Return it to your heart. That God is, that the Lord is our God. On the heaven above and on the earth below, there's nothing else. There's nothing else but serving Him. But serving Him, both in the heaven, spiritual issues, and in the earth. Physical issues, human issues, and it's the same thing. So we have to know and we have to make an effort to remind ourselves, via data hayom today, you should know the hashivota el and you return to your heart that there's nothing else. You're not here. It's, we're all here to serve Him in the heavenly issues in the earthly issues. There's nothing else, and there's so much to do.
0: Amen. Yehudik Lick, thank you so much for joining us, and thank you for and being a light in this so world. Thank you so
1: much for coming to, to my office here in Jerusalem to Amitzim and to Shalom Jerusalem Foundation. It was wonderful having you here.
0: Thanks so much. It was a concise interview, something we appreciated, especially because sometimes I'm not the most concise interviewer. I need to talk out my thoughts in order to place them together. So I admired Yehuda. His mind is focused. He knows who he is, he knows where he has been, and he's at peace with it. He knows what his core convictions are. He knows how he'll spend his time on his earth, perhaps though not entirely, because he came so close to losing it. To many, and even to myself, as I entered the interview, Yehuda was defined by this event that almost cost him his life and his activism. But I think we have it all wrong. I think I had it all wrong. The real Yehuda is this beautiful center for orphans he created, the responsibility it endows within him, and the renewal of life, the idea that no one event can shape us or should define us, that we know who we are, what our life's purpose is, and that it's up to us to pursue it and share it. Thanks for joining me on 36. This podcast is hosted by me, Justin Hayat. Our managing producer is Sarah Shemla. Our executive producer is Attila Samfalvi. And our editor is Robert Scarmuccia. This is a production of Soul Shop and sponsored by B'nai Zayn. Please rate and review this podcast in your podcast app of choice and share it with your friends, your butcher and your Shad Khan. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you again soon.